Heavenly Father, I pray that you will take my words this morning and you will use them in some mysterious way to fulfill your purpose for me and for each one of us here. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. So anyway, recently I'd been uh, rereading the Old Testament book by book and I just got through the book of Proverbs, uh, considered to be one of the wisdom books, of course, of the Old Testament. And in fact, these verses we've had read to us this morning speak specifically about wisdom, don't they? And as I reread these verses, I was struck again by the importance and emphasis uh, made of us having this wisdom. Wisdom perhaps in what we do, wisdom perhaps too in how we approach things. Um, And I'll come back to why that's important for us in a minute or two. And then along with that, uh, I was also sort of remembering that passage uh, in Romans 12 that we were looking at uh, towards the end of last year in our series on Romans. Um, And to be honest, if you remember that far back, you probably deserve a prize this morning, uh, of which there isn't one, I'm afraid, but anyway. But if you do remember, uh, Paul was urging us in Romans to get along with each other, wasn't he? Particularly as Christians, of course, as part of the family of believers, to be good to one another, to show love and to care for one another in a practical way. But importantly, Paul, of course, was also encouraging us to extend that way of thinking, those practical actions of love, if you like, to those people who we are perhaps less directly connected with, even maybe to people who might have been in the past perhaps antagonistic or difficult towards us, people to whom on occasion we may find it much harder to show that kind of love towards. And in all of this, too, of course, I was remembering Jesus' challenging words to us in his Sermon on the Mount, uh, that we should love our enemies. And as all of this was sort of swirling around in my mind, as I was desperately trying to think of what I wanted to speak about this morning, uh, to be honest, I became a little challenged by it all. Uh, Because, and again, if I'm being particularly honest with you, The truth is, um, I haven't always found it that easy to demonstrate God's love in a way that perhaps I always should have been doing. I can find that difficult to do sometimes in certain situations, particularly perhaps where it involves a person with whom I found it hard to interact or, or create a rapport with maybe, or perhaps where that person has been more aggressive in their attitude or behavior towards me. And I suppose as a result, I can find myself, instead of looking at them as Jesus would do and showing love towards them, perhaps instead I'm looking at them with suspicion or I can end up becoming a little apathetic towards them anyway. And you know, thinking about it, it can be quite easy for us, I think, to simply pay lip service on occasion maybe to Jesus' rather straightforward command to us uh, in the Gospel of John that we love one another as I have loved you. In practice, as I've said, my experience has been that that can sometimes be a little harder to do. Hopefully I'm not the only one here who feels that way about it because if that is the case, then this is going to be turning into a rather strange and self-absorbed therapy session for me. It's possible, of course, I've been transported this morning to a planet of perfect people without me realizing it, but maybe not. But I'm simply trying to be honest with you, and I know that I need to pay much more attention to how I demonstrate God's love and care in a more 
practical way, perhaps, towards certain people. People that I might consider, at the very least, challenging. And so I began thinking about how I might be able to do that better. I think we can probably all agree, it's certainly easier, isn't it, for us to love those people who we know are likely to reciprocate that love. Our friends and our family, perhaps both in the church, maybe, and in our own home. But less so, perhaps, where that's not the case. So I'd like to ask some questions this morning about, or at least for us to think about anyway, what might be stopping me, or perhaps us, if indeed some others here feel the same way, from being able to do that in the way we should be doing it? How, in fact, then, do we deal, if you like, with the difficult or, or more challenging, or some might even say seemingly unlovable people we come across in our lives? And my contention this morning, then, is that in all of this, we will need to find some kind of wisdom from somewhere to be able to do this more effectively. And so that's going to be the thrust of what I'm going to be talking about. I hope that's okay. Now, I read a book quite some time ago now titled uh, The Wisdom House. I want to say thank you to James for putting all these uh, slides together for me. It's been, it's, I'm great, very grateful. Um, but this book by uh, Rob Parsons, The Wisdom House, uh, if you haven't come across it, it's a very good read, and I thoroughly recommend it. Um, I think I'm right in saying that Sarah has very kindly arranged for a few copies to be on the church bookstore, if you're interested in getting a copy afterwards. But within his book, Rob Parsons rather endearingly, I think, uh, seeks to impart his accumulated wisdom uh, he's gained over the years in various aspects of his life, which he then hopes one day uh, will be read and found useful by his grandchildren. And he, he covers all sorts of practical topics within it. And I'll be referring back to a little, uh, little to his book uh, in a moment or two. But first, let's uh, think more in general terms then of simply having wisdom. I'm not sure I'm really uniquely qualified to be imparting any wisdom to anyone, let alone anyone here this morning, but here's my penny's worth, if you like. Actually, some people, I think, conflate being older and grey-haired with being wise. And if that were the case, evidently, I would be very wise indeed. But that, sadly, as I've discovered about myself, is not necessarily true. What is true, I suppose, is that as you live more years, you do tend to gather more information about things. But then there comes a point, sadly, of course, when you forget it all anyway. And I think I might be getting quite close to that point myself, to be honest. But I suppose it's true, generally, you can have amassed more knowledge about things over the years. But that, of course, is not the same as having wisdom, is it? It was Miles Kington, I think, who was a journalist and musician who was attributed with saying, and I'm sure we've all heard this saying before, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, whilst wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. So as I've said, I'm going to focus on how we then, as servants of Jesus, hopefully, how we perhaps should interact with the harder to love and maybe more difficult people that we come across in our daily lives. And importantly, too, I'll return a bit later to think briefly about how we perhaps view ourselves in all of this, but also, and maybe more, even more interestingly, how others might view us as well. And that's where I might introduce a bit of a twist in the plot for us, as it were. Now, I'm going to think, too, about why it is that these seemingly hard-to-love and difficult people are in our lives in the first place. Actually, as you read through the book of Proverbs, some of the sayings appear to be 
more entertaining than helpful, don't they? One which always makes me laugh. It is better to live on a corner of the roof than share a house with a quarrelsome woman. My chair is ready and waiting to go up there at home. That's the benefit of having a flat roof, I suppose. But in actual fact, the book of Proverbs, as I'm sure you already know, describes life really as it is. Not maybe life in church, actually, but perhaps more life on the street or in the office or the shop or the home. It considers how you should live throughout the week in every situation. And so whilst we all need uh, this, pra- this wisdom, uh, practical wisdom to live well, that we find so often in the book of Proverbs, nevertheless, can I suggest that we need a different kind of wisdom too to live our lives? Which is alluded to, I think, in our passage this morning from Proverbs. So where do we find that wisdom? Well, the Bible's answer to that question in the New Testament is that ultimately it's found, unsurprisingly perhaps, in Jesus himself. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So yes, this kind of wisdom, the kind that Jesus imparts, is indeed highly desirable for us. It, or rather she, as this kind of wisdom is described in Proverbs chapter 8, we're told is better than silver, gold or jewels. Look again with me at verses 10 to 11 of Proverbs chapter 8, where it says, Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. So it seems that if we want true wisdom, it has to start with a relationship with Jesus himself. And this is far more valuable than anything, of course, the world can offer. That relationship will have an effect on the way we live our lives. Again, here in verses 6 to 9 of chapter 8, it says, It will give us excellence in your speech, honest, truthful communication with words that are righteous and true. So this is the true wisdom which will help us then to live our lives well and importantly help us perhaps interact with other people. So let's look at how we do that. Now I'm pretty sure it's safe to say that all of us here this morning at some point in our lives anyway will have had to deal with a hard to love or a particularly difficult person or maybe I should say people. Or, or I don't know, maybe you've got a whole hit list of names you could recount to me if I were to ask you. You know uh, who I'm talking about. Perhaps those people who just get your heckles up. They frustrate you, they annoy you, and they come in all shapes and guises, don't they? But before we go on and just briefly... There's that word, briefly, again, but anyway. Before we go on and look at how we actually deal with some hard-to-love and difficult people in our lives. Maybe we're wondering why. Why does God allow us to be confronted by these awkward and challenging people in the first place? But here, maybe, is the paradox for us in all of this. I want us to remember something which is almost certainly true, I think, maybe of all of us here from time to time. Maybe it's the uncomfortable truth in the room, I don't know. And that is that it's quite likely that we can be the difficult person 
in somebody else's life. I'll say that again. We can be the difficult person in someone else's life. And as servants of Jesus, of course, that's a bit of a problem, isn't it? And the writer and pastor, John Ortberg, speaks about us being the difficult person in someone else's life when he said this. He said, I once gave a talk about difficult people that I thought was terrific. Unlike this one, obviously, but, but that is, he says, until I found out that someone I knew quite well and worked with closely told another friend about who his difficult person was. It was me. He went on to say, I wanted to run and hide when I heard that. I realized that I'd been speaking and behaving in ways that were painful and life-draining to someone quite close to me. Ortberg uh, went on to say, I have never forgotten the emotion of discovering that I was someone else's difficult person. I hope it's made me more aware in other relationships. I know, he says, it has made me more grateful for grace. It's true, isn't it? Unfortunately, on occasion, we are likely to be someone else's difficult person because none of us are perfect, are we? And you know, it may take a trusted friend or a brother or sister Christian to bring that critique uh, to our attention. So, of course, criticism is not always, therefore, a bad thing. Sometimes we can benefit from receiving criticism. But just to digress for a moment, actually, the thing about criticism is this. We have to ensure that the person giving the criticism is a builder and not a destroyer. Rob Parsons, in his book, actually, The Wisdom of Mouth, differentiates between those two. The builders, he says, are on our side. They want to see us grow, to get better at what we do, to grow stronger in our faith and witness. Whereas, in contrast, the destroyers, he says, simply want to rub us of joy and peace in what we do. He suggests it's very unlikely that you will ever please these kind of people. So with all of that said, let's look a bit more deeply for them for a moment as to why it is that we seem to have these hard-to-love and difficult people, as we label them anyway, in our lives in the first place. I mean, can't we just do without them, Lord? Can't you just take them away from us and make our lives a lot easier? Well, again, John Ortberg in his book, The Me I Want to Be, and by the way, I think I'm right in saying there are a few copies of his book on the church bookstore too. I'm not on commission, by the way, but I just thought I'd tell you. Uh, and that's another good read. But anyway, John Ortberg says, in quite an honest way in that book, he says, some people tempt me out of the flow of the Spirit. They judge me, and I feel discouraged. They dislike me, and I feel rejected. They're a black hole of need, and they drain me. They throw roadblocks in my path, and they discourage me. They anger me. They scare me. They depress me. Plus, he says, I just don't like them. But he goes on to say, we all have difficult people in our lives. But hear this, he says. God can use them to help you become the best version of you. Maybe even more than the people you like. He says a bit later on in his book, why does God allow difficult people in my life? What other kind are there, he says. If God were to get rid of all the unlovable and difficult people in the world, if he were to remove everyone 
uh, with quirks, flaws, ugliness and sin, you would get awfully lonely. And as we remember Jesus' words too about loving our enemies, Jesus was telling his listeners really, wasn't he? You're familiar with the old written law, aren't you? But he was saying in effect, I'm challenging all of that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Effectively, if you like, let them bring the best out of you. I think it's important for us to remember that other people don't create our spirit, but they do reveal our spirit. And maybe, you know, as God is wanting to grow some quality in us, he may put difficult people in our way, as it were, to do that. Someone who may tempt us, perhaps, to behave in just the opposite way than we should. If God feels we need to develop love, for instance, then some unlovable people will be our greatest challenge, won't they? If we need to develop hope, perhaps, then maintaining it in the face of discouragers will make it stronger. If we want to grow in our ability to confront, perhaps, then a hard-to-confront intimidator will give us some serious practice. John Ortberg, again, goes on in his book to say this. He says, just as lifting weights strengthens our muscle, uh, muscle and cardio exercises strengthen our hearts, Difficult people can strengthen our ability to love. And to be honest, that's what it all comes down to again, doesn't it really? That word, love. So although I, I find it hard, as hard as perhaps some of you do uh, well on occasion, to deal with difficult or challenging people, in the end, it seems to come down simply to this. It's not really what the other person does or how they react to us. It may well be that we will never be able to change that attitude in them. But it's how we react towards them, how we view and treat these hard-to-love and difficult people, how we deal with them in our lives. That's what is normally within our control, isn't it? In most circumstances, anyway. And I appreciate that that may not always be the case and that sometimes there are the rare exceptions to that rule. But remember what Paul said, in Romans 12 too, he tells us that if it is possible, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In Luke's gospel, actually, in chapter 6, Jesus tells us not to judge as well, doesn't he? And not to condemn. He's saying, in effect, don't pick on people or jump on their failures or criticize their faults, particularly if it's because these people are being difficult with us in the first instance. And we're tempted, you know, just to simply get back at them. No, Jesus says. We're charged with loving them instead. No one said being a follower of Jesus was going to be easy, did they? Jesus' a famous story we read about, actually, in Matthew's Gospel, too, about trying to take this little speck of dust out of someone else's eye when we've got this humongous plank in our own eye. It's a challenging one, isn't it? It's so much easier for us uh, to see our own short, uh, short uh, their, uh, for, for us to see their own shortfalls and weaknesses than for us to see our own. But you know, if we live like that, we will always be falling out with people. It will be exhausting, uh, apart from anything else. So one, once more, and however counterintuitive it may seem at times, Jesus is saying we need to pay more attention. I think to our own faults, 
and the areas where we need to grow. And it's only then, I think, that when we do that, we're then in a better place, aren't we, uh, to help to perhaps to reconcile others to God in their struggles. Because when we treat others with the same patience, God shows us, and oh my goodness, God has had to show me so much patience over the years. But then we are going to be much more likely to get on with everybody else, aren't we? And maybe even recognise the validity, perhaps, of other people's opinions from time to time. They will, in essence, if you like, become easier for us to love. So as, as I've said, none of this is easy, of course. Uh, at least I haven't found it so. It often goes against our natural human instinct of protecting oneself above everything. And the only way we'll be able to do this is to rely on the help of the Holy Spirit working in us. We simply have to ask, of course, for his help. So actually, that's my sort of penny's worth this morning. Was that wisdom? I don't know, really. But maybe Jesus is saying to each one of us this morning that I'm not putting hard to love or difficult people in your life to make you unhappy or to trip you up or just because I can. No, in fact, he is giving us an opportunity, I think, to grow in love. Finally, and just in finishing, John Ortberg again uh, said this. Um, he said, the space between me and my enemy, that difficult, unlovable person, is the space where love can grow. He goes on to say, that person could be wonderful in every other respect, but their dislike of us shapes our perceptions more than anything else. But it seems Jesus tells us that we're not to think like that. Why? Because God's not that way. God, of course, loves people who love him, but he also loves people who don't love him. Because, of course, God is love. Max Lucado says that our love can sometimes seem like a glass of water, but God's love, in comparison, is like the Mediterranean Sea. And the heart of God, we know, is unblemished. And as we read in, in the first chapter of James, in the message version anyway, we read that there is nothing deceitful in God, nothing two-faced, nothing fickle. Because, of course, he has no hidden agenda, has he? Or selfish motive. He loves with a good love and forgives with a good forgiveness. Max Lucado again said this. He said, God loves you just the way you are, but he refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. And perhaps that's why John tells us in 1 John that he, God, lavishes us with his love. And he then in turn asks us to overflow with the same. Why does God do it? Because love is the only way to life and life in all its fullness. Let's just pray together, shall we? Lord Jesus, thank you that true wisdom is found only in a relationship with you. You're more precious than rubies, and nothing we desire can compare with knowing you. Help us to act wisely and to speak words of wisdom from you that bring blessings and not confrontation to others. 
Help us to remove the planks from our own eyes so that we're less likely to be the difficult person in somebody else's life. Help us to extend grace to those around us so that we're better able to show your love, particularly to those hard to love and perhaps difficult people we experience in our daily lives following you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.